For those of you who don't know, my name is Chad, and it's just brilliant to be able to see you face-to-face today. And for those of you who are watching online, I'm so glad that you've joined us online and that we can connect together in this way. I love the opportunity that we have to do this because today's a special day. And for those, like I said, who don't know me, this is my daughter, Jaden. And so uh, can you say hi to Jaden? Hi. And you know today's Father's Day, but it's also another special day because it's also the day that we happen this year to be able to celebrate our graduate recognition service. And so there's just so many things for me that are special about this day. And, and as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, I want to I form your heart and mind around a question. And I've got some questions I want to ask Jaden today. They're all about her boyfriend. And so it won't, won't be embarrassing at all. Um, but no, I'm just teasing. You don't have a boyfriend. Oh, wait. No, wait. Yeah, you do. Never mind. Um, here's the question I want to shape our hearts and minds around today, okay? Because it's an important one. Because our family has had a unique experience in the life of this church. We'll talk about it a little bit. We're just very, very blessed because of you. Some of you are watching online. Some of you are in the room. But this community, the community of Owasso, has been an exceptional blessing to me and my family. Me as a father, me as a pastor, my kids. It's just been amazing. And I'm just so grateful and thankful that on a day like today, we get to talk together about God's word. And so here's the question I want you to consider today. Who do you walk with and who walks with you? I want you to consider that with me for a minute. Who do you walk with and who walks with you? Because God's done something very unique in my family and in my life. It was 19 years ago this week that Londa looked to me. We were actually on top of a mountain at Falls Creek. And she, she pulled me aside and she said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I want to tell you something. And she handed me a card. And it was 19 years ago this week that I found out, she says, you're going to be a dad. 19 years ago this week. And I'm thinking, do you know who the mother is? <laughs> and, um, and I thought, how could you get past Father's Day without a really bad dad joke, right? So I had to do that today. And so um, just a few months later, um, I get a phone call from Mike Napier and from uh, Dr. Roger Ferguson, and they said, hey, we need a worship leader in, at First Baptist Owasso. And so by November of that same year, we're talking to this church about coming here to lead worship and to become a part of the life of this community and this staff. And, and in January of 2002, one month before you were born, so thanks for standing here uncomfortably for a minute, one month before she was born, we joined this church. And later you came into my life. You made me a dad. And I'm so grateful for that. And now this is the year, 2020, that we get to celebrate a graduation together. And so what a unique circumstance. Londa and I never imagined that as a pastor in the life of a church, that we would get to serve in the same community and in the same church for such a long period of time. And so thank you so much for putting up with us for so long. But I'm so grateful for some of the moments that we've had together because I remember this moment where we had a family dedication service. Now, you're not going to remember this because it's also 2002. It's at the end of 2002, and you're this little bundle of stuff. And... Uh, um, and we stood in, a, in an auditorium, not this one. It was actually over at the Owasso High School PAC. Beverly Rake was our, was our preschool coordinator. And I'm so thankful. Marissa was in the service today, and, and she's graduating this year. It's just so exciting to see that. And so you guys have experienced something similar to this. We had this parent-child, this family dedication. And in this family dedication moment, there are these two promises that are made. Our family stood up in front of this congregation and said, we intend to raise our family 
in a way that honors God. We want to we raise our family in a way that, that, that causes all of us to experience the fear and the admonition of our Lord. So that was the promise that we made as a family. But then you all stood up as a church, and you made a promise. And the promise you made was we will walk with you through that. We will help you raise your children and raise your family in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Who do you walk with and who walks with you? You see, because in this moment today, I can look to you as a church and I can say thank you because, watch this, promise made, family dedication, promise made, promise kept, promise kept. There's a bunch of, and some, yeah, you can celebrate that. That's good. Good job, church. That's awesome. And there's families here in this room today. There's families that are watching online. And this afternoon, this evening, we're going to celebrate an incredible graduate recognition service. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the families who have walked with us and who we have gotten to walk with. And so to kind of illustrate that idea of who do you walk with and who walks with you, I thought I'd just ask you a few questions. And so you've survived the awkward, uncomfortable moments. And so I appreciate that. But I just want to ask you some questions real quick. What are some... Uh, In in these years that we've been together here, what are some spiritually significant moments that just really you remember, that that are just a a highlight inside your own life? Well, really the first thing that comes to mind for me is my salvation, of course, because this is a church that I gave my life to Jesus in. It was actually a Sunday night, and we were taking the Lord's Supper, and I was sitting right back there. I can point to it. It was whenever we had rows on the very back of the wall, and it was me and my mom and then two of my three brothers at the time. And they were passing around the plate with the juice and the bread. And I'm a six-year-old. I tried to take some, of course, because I was hungry. And my mom looked at me. And <laughs> wait, she wait, wait, wait. You were hungry? Yeah. <laughs> it's a crack. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I tried to take some. And my mom stops me and says, well, no, you, you can't yet. And I was like, why? And she said, well, you haven't given your life to Jesus yet. And I've grown up in a Christian home, and I've known about the salvation and the plan of salvation my whole life, and whenever she said that to me, it just, it got me thinking a little deeper, and it made me wonder, well, I have done bad things, and I haven't asked for forgiveness, and so I remember going home that night, and I sat down with my parents, and I said, I want to know more, and I said, please tell me more, and so my dad drew out the plan of salvation, and it was that night that I gave my life to Christ, and here I am today, (laughs) and so, and it's because of a church that I was raised in, that I am the person I am today. That's a, that's, and that's, that's great. You can, you can celebrate that. Too. That's good. That's awesome. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm one of those guys. I love going to church, big church with my kids. And especially in moments like the Lord's Supper, all, actually all of my children, the Lord's Supper was relevant in helping them come to understand what it means to be a believer, to be someone who follows Christ. And I'm just so, I'm thankful for that moment. So beyond that spiritually significant moment, are there any people in our lives that that were spiritually significant influences in your life? Oh, absolutely. And there's a number. I could go on and on, but the people who come to my mind are Lucinda Hicks and Amber Hudler, undoubtedly. That's great. So So in what ways have they influenced you? Well, Amber taught me that whenever you're running late in TSA, don't cuss, no matter how late you are. But (laughs) (laughs) not actually, but... (laughs) Um, Amber has been such a wonderful example to me of 
women leading in the church. As most of you guys probably know, she's the director of assimilations, and I've gotten to work closely with her in different sort of events and aspects, and she's always taught me that I, I have power through God to lead like Jesus did, and that's just such an amazing reflection to live under. That's great. That's fantastic. Are there any other people or influences or things that you've learned from folks? Any other spiritually significant moments in your life as you've grown older beyond your six-year-old hunger moment for that giant cracker? Well, my baptism, of course, was very significant. It was right over there, and my dad was the one who got to baptize me, actually, so that was really cool. It was November 8th, 2008. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great picture. There was a lot more of me there, and we wore robes. Yeah, (laughs) yes. And then last year, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to England, and that's been by far one of the most spiritually defining moments for me because, and it was through our missions program here, and it's actually led me to the school I'm going to today, and it's led me to a discipleship program I'm currently in, and it's now the reason I'm majoring in what I'm majoring in in college, so that's really neat. And so just personally, one of the things about the trip to England and the person who's discipling you or the people who are discipling you right now that I just think, again, is the blessing of God through this church and in the life of our community is that um, that that England mission trip and greater European missions is run by a man named Mike Taylor, who you've heard me talk about. He is the man who, when I was a teenager, discipled me. And so it's because of this church. It's because of you. Promise made, promise kept. Who do you walk with? And who walks with you? It's because of you that our family has the privilege of continuing to rub shoulders um, with the man who discipled me and who is now helping to disciple my daughter. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to ask you to stay just a little bit longer. and, um, And here's the reason why. Because today we continue in our series on the life of King David. And so much, we read it in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And I don't know if you noticed, but 2 Samuel chapter 22, it felt an awful lot like reading a psalm, didn't it? It felt like you're reading a psalm. And the reason it feels like you're reading a psalm is because it's also a parallel and recorded in. It is a psalm in Psalm 18. And what we've seen in the life of David is that same idea of who walks with you, who do you walk with, a promise made and a promise kept. And now we've been through the life of David, and now we're at the end of his life. And so this week and next week, we're going to see the end of the life of David and how his story turns out. And we see that the story of kings is really the story of the king of kings. It's the story of God involved in their lives. And so I'm just, Jaden, I'm going to ask you to preach with me for just a second. Is that okay? Can I ask you to, okay, so just for a second. Um, don't tell anybody. Um, then I'm asking her to preach with me. But um, one of the things we see is that the, at the beginning of David's life, he's a shepherd boy and a prophet shows up and he says to David, God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he looks at your heart. And then he tells David, David, you're going to be a king. Promise made. And then David goes immediately back to the field to be a shepherd boy. And then he goes through trials and struggles and troubles, and he, he, he kills giants, right? And he becomes, he starts to make a name for himself. And Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. And his life goes through these massive ups and downs where he's, he's the hero of the nation, and then he's the villain of the king, the current king. And then, and then all of these amazing things happen in his life. And towards the end of his life, he starts to falter, he starts to fail, his frailties start to show. And you just start to see the tragedy of the mistakes that he made, and then he repents of those things, and you see the whole time he's got this incredible heart for God, and you get to the end of this thing in 2 Samuel chapter 
22, and he's writing this amazing psalm. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And, and, and he is, God is the rock of my salvation. So now he's at the end of his days. God's made this promise, you'll be king. And now he's at the end of his days and he's saying, look, God, I've walked with you. You've walked with me. Promise made, promise kept. And one of the things I see in the life of David throughout the time he's here is I see that David had this priority in his life that he would choose in, in almost every moment. There were moments of failure, but in almost every moment, David would choose ultimate over immediate. And so for those of you who are graduating, for those of you who are adults, that would be a challenge that I would hope we would learn from King David, that we would choose ultimate over immediate. And so I'm just going to ask you and put you on the spot. What do you think I mean when I say that we should choose ultimate over immediate? I think choosing ultimate means looking at the bigger picture. So David is clearly told that he's going to be king. And every motivation in his life is, well, God told me I'm going to be king and I'm going to rule over the nations and I'm going to have a whole army with me. And so he constantly focuses on the ultimate. Immediate is the example of immediate satisfaction. What's going to make me happy right now, right in this moment? And we see David mess up a couple times and do that. But overall, in the very end, we see him choose ultimate. That's exactly right. Thank you so much, Jaden. I appreciate that. I love you very much, and I'm Me proud too. of you. Can we celebrate uh, her today? Thank you for doing that. And, and I just want to say thank you again to you as a church. Um, we started, when we started here, we were still worshiping in El Tequila Baptist Church over on 86th Street. And, and I, when I think about who do I walk with and who walks with me, um, everyone in this graduating class Every parent who's here, uh, who's a part of that. There are uh, Rick Cuscio and Joe and Audrey Ingalls, and there's just too many people to name, the Swingles and the Yeckleys and, the, and just so many people that have influenced my life and influenced the life of my family that we would be able to start with a family dedication, promise made, and end today on Father's Day with a graduate recognition service. And I can look to you as a church and say, thank you so much promise kept. Good job. You guys have done well, so thank you for that. For those of you who maybe are new to our church, or maybe you're watching online and you're wondering, what does this mean? How can I walk with people uh, in, in life in, through this online connection? Well, you absolutely can do it, and you can do it face-to-face as well, but this idea of walking with and who do I walk with? Who walks with me and who, who do I walk with? We can absolutely do that. And wherever you are in joining us, whether you got to join us 18 years ago or whether you're joining us just now today or whether you've joined us a few years ago, these are these significantly spiritual relationships that we can build as we connect with one another. And David had these moments. And so can you. We can have these moments together. And as I look at 2 Samuel chapter 22, just read that with me again. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, um, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. David had lived this life where he chose ultimate over immediate.
rather than choosing the immediate satisfaction of this is what's going to satisfy my anger right now. This is what's going to satisfy my, my hunger right now. This is what's going to satisfy my desire to be king right now. This is what's going to desi- satisfy my arrogance or my ambition. This is what's going to make me look big and good in the eyes of everyone else. Instead of satisfying those desires, the pattern and habit of David's life, sometimes he got it wrong. And you know that. We've been talking about that for the past several weeks. Sometimes he got it wrong, but the pattern and habit of his life was that David chose ultimate. God, you made this promise to me, and I believe you're going to keep that promise. And so I'm simply going to keep trusting and obeying you. I think it's why with confidence, he could look at Saul when Saul was chasing him and say, I don't have to raise my hand against the king. God said something, God's going to do it. So with confidence, David chose ultimate over immediate. He had multiple opportunities to kill Saul. I, I think it's the reason why David, with confidence, when Absalom comes taking in the city, taking over the city and kicks him out of Jerusalem, I think it's why with confidence, David can say, well, God is God. And maybe, perhaps, God has chosen Absalom over me because I know the wickedness that I've done. I know the the fears and the faults and the failures and the frailties of my own heart and my own life. Maybe God has chosen Absalom to be king. And in that moment, he could surrender and leave behind what he thought was something, only later to find that God was going to continue to keep his promise. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. Aren't there so many loving, kind, secure, foundational words in a passage of Scripture just like that? It made it possible for David to choose ultimate over immediate. If you're headed to college right now, you're going to have lots of opportunities over the next several years to choose ultimate over immediate or to choose immediate, to do what makes you happy, to do what makes you popular, to do whatever the crowd does, to go along with whatever culture is saying. You're going to have lots of opportunities to choose immediate and feel like because you chose immediate that you're successful only to find out later, just like David did with Bathsheba. Hmm. I shouldn't have done that. Just like David did with Tamar. Shake his, oh man, with Tamar, I messed up with Absalom and Tamar. I didn't shake his head. I can't believe I did that. You see, and so it would be part of my encouragement from this passage. If you're going to choose ultimate over immediate, then here's what my hope would be. Is that as you make these decisions, that you would build your decisions like David did on the foundation of the rock of all the promises of God, of all the things that God has done and said for you already and all the promises he's made to you about what tomorrow looks like and that as a result of choosing ultimate over immediate, overseeing a big picture, bigger than... You know, I can't fault us for making decisions the way we do. We tend to make the best decision we can based on the information available at the time. Isn't that how we do that most of the time? We make the best decision we can based on the best information available at the time. It's one of the reasons why I love this book and I love getting to know the heart of who God is because God's perspective is so much bigger than mine and so much better than mine and so much clearer than mine and so much more certain than mine. And so if I can make my decisions through the lens of God's word, I have an opportunity to make better decisions because I'm basing it off of better information. I'm basing it off of ultimate information rather than immediate gratification kinds of information. Does that make sense? Because here's the problem. When we make decisions that are based on our immediate needs and our immediate gratification, we have a tendency to make these choices that end up making us a liar for life, right? 
So that would be my next thought based on, on David's pattern and what I see in David's life. Never make a choice that makes you a liar for life. I know people that when we, talk, when we start talking about college, as soon as we start talking about our college days, and we're talking about that a lot in this group of people, we're talking, hey, we, I remember when, and I remember this, and I remember all these things, and we start telling all these great stories, and then there always comes a moment where someone in their group goes, and dang, I'm glad we didn't have cameras and phones and social media back then, <laughs> and they giggle a little bit because it'd be like, you know, I don't think... I don't think I'd be qualified to be a pastor if I was really honest about all the stuff that they could have recorded or I wouldn't be qualified to do the job that I do if they just recorded all the things I did. Or maybe that's in the joking, teasing, joking, kind of laughing moments. Or maybe because you're an adult now, you reshape the story and either you just don't talk about it at all or when you talk about it, you have to talk about it from the perspective of something that's just not true because you're so ashamed of the choices that you've made. Well, wherever you are right now today in this moment, you can make a decision. I'm going to begin to choose ultimate and over immediate. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm never going to, I'm going to filter my decisions through this funnel or through this lens so that when I make this next choice, I don't want to make a choice that will make me a liar for life. You see, David had multiple opportunities to do that. He was the king. And, you know, you bowed before the king because the king could have you hit, killed. And so he had this opportunity through authority and through law to stand up and say, I'm the king and whatever I do is right because I'm the king. And in that story with Bathsheba where he failed miserably, he made a terrible choice and it risked the possibility of making him a liar for life. But in the moment that he was confronted by it, he didn't lie. In the moment of his confrontation, he confessed. He agreed with God. And he said to God, God, I am. He, he celebrated not the sin, but he celebrated the God who saved and who forgave him. And he wrote it down in a psalm. Psalm chapter 51. Actually, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. He wrote the story of his failure. Not to celebrate the failure, but to celebrate the goodness of God. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. O oh Lord, my God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Renew to me now the joy of my salvation. And I will teach, and I will teach sinners your ways. You see, David, in that moment when he was tempted to lie about his past, he chose not to. Even with Absalom, even with the failures we've talked about over the past few weeks, in the moments when he had an opportunity to lie, he chose not to. So first, don't make a choice that makes you a liar for life. But if you're tempted to, then maybe just stop and think, maybe this is a moment I should confess. Maybe this is a moment I should surrender. Maybe this is a moment when I should rely on the goodness and the grace of God. And why can I do that? Because I've seen God time and time again. Make a promise and keep a promise. You see, if you think about the life of David that we celebrate, don't we remember the people he walked with and the people who walked with him? We remember the mighty men of valor. We remember, we remember the giants that he slayed. We remember him as a man who is after God's own heart. So in spite of his fears and his failures and his frailties, in spite of all of those things, we remember him as a man who chose ultimate over immediate. And in that moment when he was tempted, when he was tempted to lie about his past because he had some ugly things in his past, he just didn't. Never make a choice that makes you a liar for life. 
Now, one of the things I love about college age, these four years, one of the things I love about the age of college students, so whether you go to college or not, this is still relevant for you. In in four years' time, you're going to make some really significant decisions. Generally, in the four years of college, you make decisions about uh, who do you want to go with, where do you want to go, what do you want to do, and how do you want to do it that influence and affect the rest of your life. The, the, the time I spent, because I'm still serving on staff at a church with men I went to college with. We didn't hang out during college quite like we do today, but we knew each other and we, were, we, we, we knew one another. We were friends. And, and, and it's amazing just to see the, the route and the path that God's taken in my life. I'd be willing to bet that some of you are still connected with some of your college friends. And those of you who aren't connected with college friends or college uh, people from your high school and college days, I'd be willing to bet that the way they acted towards you and the way you acted towards them has shaped the person that you've become today. And so in these next four years, you're going to be developing habits And those habits are going to influence the quality of your life for the rest of your life. And I believe every adult in here, no matter how old we are, would look back to our college days and we're going to say one of two things. We're either going to say, I'm really glad I did, or we're going to say, I really wish I had. I'm really glad I did, or I really, I really wish I had. And so in these four years of college, I hope you'll pay close attention to the habits that you're forming because the habits that you form and the people that you walk with, those habits either become the story you celebrate later in life or the consequence you have to live through later in life. And you see that in the life of David. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. He's helped me to overcome my enemies. He's helped me to overcome. He's forgiven me of my frailties and my faults. And my failures. I really am glad I did. I really wish I had. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It tells us this. It says, many of you know it, right? You know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and God. He will direct your path. So order and structure your life. Use the habits of your life to create a life that focuses on the ultimate, that focuses on the promise, that focuses on the people that God has surrounded you with to walk with and that, and that who will walk with you. You see, it's one of the challenges of the way our world works. I think that we would rather be distracted than directed. And you can find lots of distractions in college, can't you? There's a thousand distractions in college. You can find a lot of distractions today. I mean, right now during this message, some of you who are watching online, you haven't quite noticed exactly what's going on because you've got multiple windows open and you're following a Facebook timeline and you're, you're taking a look at a video game over here and you're doing all these things in your different windows because it's just so much easier to be distracted than it is to be directed. And some of you who are face-to-face in the room with me, I've seen children who are crawling under pews who caught more of the sermon than, than, than adults who will stare me down the whole time and it looks like they're fully engaged. And, and it's really, they're just kind of going over their grocery list or they're thinking to themselves, man, this is really hot in this room. Or, or they're, they're, they're thinking about, gosh, it's hamburgers. When is this thing going to end? You know, the, all of those different things. And so it's just so easy to be distracted. And I think we'd rather be distracted than to be directed. But look at what happened in the life of David. God shows up. David, I don't see as man sees. I see, I see the heart. Man sees the outward appearance. Promise made. I'm going to give you some people to walk with, these mighty men of valor. 
Men like Jonathan. Men who will stand with you even if it means standing up to their father and standing up to their king. Men like Nathan who will come to you and say, you're about to walk off a cliff. No, wait, you already have. You're the man. You're the one. You see, that's the blessing and the benefit that I've experienced in my own life through you. In those moments when I've been distracted, one of you has come to me and said, hey, we need to focus in on the ultimate rather than the immediate. I think about conversations that Brad Ayler and I have. And I think about conversations that Keith Davis and I have. Keith and I have served together for nearly 23 years. Man, he is old. (laughs) Um, And I think about these moments when I'm about to fall off the cliff and these are the men who have stopped me. And I think about these moments when I just want to celebrate something amazing in my life or in the life of my family. And these men and their families, I'm just so thankful for the people who have walked with me and seen all of my ugliness and my schizophrenia and my whatever weirdness that is me and have chosen to walk with me anyway in the grace of God. So adults, you know this already because you've been through these years where you make those decisions about who you're going to live with, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and where. And today it's still not too late. So whether you're a college student or not, whether you're going to college or not, you can make those choices that don't make you a liar for life. You can keep ultimate in front of immediate. You can do that. You can, you can rely. You can fully rely on the promises of God. You can begin to make those decisions that cause you in the end of your life, at the end of your days to look back and go, man, I'm really glad I did instead of I really wish that I had. Why? Because you're surrounded by God's people and God's word and your, your life is built on the rock and then surrounded by people who will walk with you through the storms of life to keep you from becoming so distracted that you fall off the cliff. They help you remain directed inside your life. Now, there's one other thing that I see inside this that I want us to point to. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 22, and it's just something ironic I see in the passage. 2 Samuel chapter 22, it's something ironic that I see in the passage. Beginning in verse 21, this is David talking. He says, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Let's just stop on verse 25 for just a second. I just think in the life of David, especially over the past several weeks in the series of this sermon that we've been in, how ironic is it that in this psalm, after David's failure with Bathsheba, after David's failure as a father with Absalom and Tamar, after the rebellion of Absalom, after all the terrible things, I mean, Tamar, she never experienced the justice of a king or the protection of a father How can a man like that write words like this? Verse 24, I was blameless before God and I kept myself from guilt and the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. 
Again, it goes back to the idea of God's promise made and God's promise kept. Look at verse 25. This is the answer. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. I'm going to stop right there on verse 29. I'm going to stop on verse 29. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. You see, David recognized something in the promises of God. That God is able to redeem the worst thing you'll ever do on the worst day of your life. And that if you will simply become that one who walks with him, he will walk with you and he will show himself merciful on your behalf. God redeems the worst thing you'll ever do on the worst day of your life. He takes that sinfulness out of you. He takes that blamefulness out of you and he replaces it with the righteousness of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus came to do for you. That's what Jesus came to do for his world. That's what Jesus came to do for each and every one of us who have failed so many times and fallen so often. For those of us who have forgotten about the ultimate, which is every one of us, to live in the immediate and to be satisfied and to satisfy our desires in such a way that it's sinful and that it dishonors God and it hurts our relationship with people, Jesus Christ came to show us the way and to redeem that sin and to make us righteous again in his sight. There's this promise that's been made. And through Jesus Christ, there is this promise that has been kept. And the promise is simply this, that God wants to walk with you. It's as simple as that. God wants to walk with you. And he wants you to walk with him. Look at one last piece of this, this scripture. It's just so beautiful the way David wrote this psalm. I love those men and women that God can take his word and do something beautifully artistic with it. One of the songs we sang today, Search Me, at the beginning of the service was a song that Joe McKean wrote. And it's based on scripture. It's based on something he found in the Psalms. And it's just a beautiful reminder of what God does inside our lives and what God can do through the beauty of his people, through the relationships that we have with one another. So whether you're connecting online or whether you're connecting face-to-face, -face, that connection with people is so important because it's in that connection with people that we engage one another. And as we engage one another, we're reminded of the goodness and the greatness of the God who wants to walk with you. And the God who has fought for you. And, and it's, it's there that we recognize that this story of kings is not the story of King David or King Saul or King Solomon. It's the story of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you can be forgiven. And he wants to walk with you. Look at what it says at the very end, verse 47, 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse, verse 47. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and be exalted, my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this, 
I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. Wait a minute. Stop right there. For this, I will praise you, Lord. Where? Among the nations. You see, God had given a family business to the children of Israel. God had said to the children of Israel, here's what I want. I want you to be my people, and I will be your God. And I want you to go into all the world and tell everyone who I am. I want you to be the nation of people that connects God and man. I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. And that promise is still being fulfilled today through men and women just like you and just like me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who follows him, God is our God. We are his people. And God's desire, his delight, his heart (laughs) is to walk with you. And in the blessings of our God, oh, how beautiful and how sweet it is that he's given us one another to walk with. So today, who will, we, who will you walk with and who walks with you? So today, what promises do you remember that God has made to you? Here's one of them. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your life may be one where you look back on your history and you think you shake your head and all you can think is, I really wish I had. But God's in the business of redeeming the worst things we've ever done on the worst days of our life. And this is one of those moments where you can stop right now and choose ultimate over immediate by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're one who's already done that, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, but somehow you've gotten distracted instead of directed, this is a moment where you can bow your head, close your eyes and say, God, here I am again. I failed, forgive me. And in the mercies of God, He will forgive you once again. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ before, if that's something you have questions about or concerns about or you just don't know exactly what that means, this is that moment where you can stop and say, Jesus, I don't really get it. I don't really understand it, but I trust you. And I've heard that you want to walk with me. I'll do it. I I want to walk with you. Walk with me. Forgive me of my sins. Save me forever whether you're just entering the beginning of your adult life in this college age, or whether you're coming to the very end of it, Jesus Christ has made this promise. And Jesus Christ will keep that promise. And he wants to walk with you today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so grateful for the men and women that you've placed in my life and in my family, those who have walked with us and those that we've had an opportunity to walk with, I can honestly say that without their encouragement and without their guidance and their direction, my life would not be the same. And so thank you for the promises this church has made and the promises this church has kept. And there really are far too many people for me to name that I can give thanks for, and I'm just so grateful for that. And even above all of that, 
I am so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, who has chosen to walk with me through all my fears and my faults and my failures, who has redeemed the worst thing I've ever done on the worst day of my life, even if it hasn't happened yet. Father, thank you for that forgiveness that has set me free. I pray that I would walk in that forgiveness today and that each of us who are here today would walk in that forgiveness that we would choose ultimate over immediate, that we would make the kind of choices that would allow us to honor you and to walk together so that someday when we get to the end of our days, we can be like David and say, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Father God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.